Hi there, I'm Haley. And I'm Sophie. And we are your Perspectives podcast hosts. The Perspectives podcast is a graduate-run program exploring various public health topics in an effort to learn from experts in the field and the community from varied backgrounds and areas of inquiry. We explore topics within and outside of standard public health discourse, but our conversations relate to subjects that impact all of us on various levels of well-being. We're glad you're here and we're excited to learn alongside you. Hello, Perspectives podcast listeners. Today's topic is eating disorders and eating disorder research. I am joined by a dear friend and my roommate, Chastity Liu. So thank you so much for joining us today, Chast. To kick things off, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for having me here today, Sophie. I'm super excited to delve more into this conversation that I'm super, super passionate about. But just for some general introductions, like you mentioned, my name is Chastity, but a lot of people like to call me Chas. Um, I'm originally from Southern California, and I actually just moved to Minnesota this past summer to pursue eating disorder research. I just graduated this past spring of 2021 from UC Santa Barbara with my bachelor's in science and psychological and brain sciences, as well as an applied psychology minor. Right now, like I kind of said, I'm doing eating disorder research. So I'm currently a clinical research coordinator with the Department of Psychiatry. More specifically, I work in the Minnesota Center for Eating Disorders Research Lab. And some other clinical work that I've done in the past is I used to work at an eating disorder treatment center as a residential counselor. And I also used to work at a residential home for people with bipolar and schizophrenia. So mental Mm -hmm. health is very much my niche and something that I'm really passionate about, specifically eating disorders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Jess. So I know that you're very passionate about using research as a way to inform clinical practice. And that's really inspiring and super important, especially with this topic. So can you tell us, what do your current projects look like? Yeah, so kind of like what you mentioned before, one of the things that I'm super interested in is using research to inform clinical practice. So one of the studies that I'm currently working on with the principal investigator, Dr. Annie Hainos, is testing out a new therapeutic approach called positive affect treatment for those with anorexia nervosa. This treatment has already been proven to work with another psychiatric population, so those with depression and anxiety. So now we're kind of adapting it to see if it works with another population that also engages in anhedonia, which is just another word of saying certain populations that kind of lack interest in Mm -hmm. things. And what positive affect treatment really does in this therapeutic approach is it really focuses on trying to find the silver lining and finding the positive emotions that are enrooted in people's lives that they might not have seen before. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Thank you, Jess. Mm -hmm. So... To go back to eating disorders more broadly, can you give us an overview of what eating disorders are? Yeah, I guess just a brief overview is that eating disorders are a type of psychiatric disorder that normally affects people of all ages, body types, genders, um, races, socioeconomic status, and so many more things than that. Most eating disorders are normally associated with people's eating behaviors and their thoughts and emotions related to eating but it can also include some weight and shape reasons. Common eating disorders that people may have heard of before are anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. And there are also other eating disorders that are not otherwise specified. 
And it's actually really important to note that out of all psychiatric disorders, anorexia nervosa has the highest mortality rate, which is why it's super important to conduct clinical research in order to support these people with their lives and through their recovery process. And it's also just really important to also note that eating disorders are so much more than what meets the eye. I think a lot of people think eating disorders are about vanity and are about looking thin and being thin, but it's so much more than that. It's a huge component of biological factors, environmental factors, psychological factors that affect these people. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, and the really high mortality rate for eating disorders is something that a lot of people are not aware of. And it really represents how eating disorders and their treatment are public health issues and that we all need to be mindful of how they can affect anyone. Mm -hmm, definitely. So what has surprised you or what have you learned that's new doing this work in eating disorder research? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that kind of surprised me when I worked at the treatment center and with the people that I work with now at my current job is all the misconceptions that are kind of placed behind eating disorders. I think a lot of people think eating disorders fit a certain group of people. So normally thin white adolescent girls that are in high school, which is true, but it's also important to recognize that like all other psychiatric disorders, eating disorders can affect all types of people, regardless of their gender, regardless of their race, um, their ethnicity, and especially their body size. A big thing that has also surprised me Oh, not really surprised me, but a thing that a lot of people don't know, you don't actually have to be in a smaller body to have an eating disorder. Anybody with any body size can have an eating disorder. And that's why I really advocate for these people in this work to really have like public health people listen to their patients, listen to the people that they're working with, and really understand what is behind their thoughts and actions related to eating that might consume them. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Chess. You've mentioned in the past how eating disorder research and treatment is constrained by the BMI metric. Can you elaborate on that? This is also a topic that I'm super passionate about. And I think my overall frame for saying that is like eating disorders are so much more than just someone's weight. Most of the time, people can't tell if someone has an eating disorder by how much they weigh or by how they look. Like I said before, eating disorders are affected by those biological physiological and social cultural aspects of their life and the thoughts that they have. Someone's BMI shouldn't categorize them as anorexic or not, right? Someone's BMI shouldn't categorize them as bulimic or not. Someone's BMI can't determine what someone's eating disorder feels like to them, mm. right? So people can struggle with anorexia and bulimia and other eating disorders regardless of their weight which is why I think it's important for people to recognize the language they use surrounding eating and surrounding eating disorders in general. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and something that just a lot of people are not aware of. And I think it can cause negative stereotypes and ramifications for people who live in very small bodies and people who live in larger bodies, all different types of bodies. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Like, I think it's unfair if someone is might be in quote like a normal body or an overweight body and not be screened for an eating disorder because their bmi is above 18.5 because sometimes the weight on the scale doesn't determine what's happening in their head so being able to use that right language and allow people to advocate for themselves and really listen to what they're saying instead of focusing on the bmi criteria mm -hmm. so going more to talking directly to your audience 
How would you support someone with an eating disorder? That's also another great question. A lot of the time, people with eating disorders are normally afraid to come out and to ask for help because they don't want to be judged by other people. They don't want people to think there's anything wrong with them or the way that they eat or the way that they look. So making sure you're just being really patient with them and letting them know that you're there to support them in whatever capacity you can and also, most importantly, whatever capacity that they want you to. And making sure that you're never putting the blame on them or shaming them for their eating disorder. Because a lot of the time, they don't choose that life. Those thoughts are just so consuming because of those biological, environmental factors. Thank you, Jess. That's great advice. So then, switching a bit, if someone listening is currently struggling with an eating disorder, what advice would you give them? Steps towards healing or steps towards treatment, for example. I say do whatever makes you feel most comfortable. Recovery will only work if you believe that it's going to work for you. Recovery is extremely, extremely hard, but it's also so, so possible. I've seen it happen so many times when I worked at the treatment center, and I know you can do it as long as you believe that you can do it. It is very possible. So I wouldn't not encourage you to seek treatment or to seek help because of the way people might judge you or the way that people might look at you, but it can be extremely helpful and beneficial just making those small steps. Maybe talking to your family and friends at first if you feel comfortable with that. And if not, talking to a therapist, talking to a counselor, seeing if you think you're prepared and you're ready to go to eating disorder treatment. And just really, I think hitting the point of recovery is extremely hard, but it is very possible. Thank you, Jess. Another question I thought of in this conversation is if someone doesn't necessarily have a full eating disorder, but they still maybe have an unhealthy relationship with food. Mm-hmm. What steps could they take to improve that relationship? Yeah, I think kind of like taking a step back and noticing what are your unhealthy behaviors with food or what is giving you those disordered eating patterns um, and kind of reflecting on that a little bit. And if that is so, like you're restricting food because you don't want to gain weight or you're restricting food because you simply don't have time to eat. Seeing what works for you. Sometimes some people like to set a schedule to eat and then some people don't. It's really finding what what works best for you and and really understanding that, you know, this isn't okay. What are steps that I can do to make it right? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Chess. So how can students and others get involved in eating disorder research? Yeah, we're actually one of the many universities in the nation that do eating disorder research. So you're lucky that the Twin Cities has eating disorder treatment all over and also has eating disorder research. So that's super exciting. Um, Feel free to reach out to our email, which is mcedr at uofm.edu. If you would like to participate in our studies or if you'd like to get further involved and perhaps volunteer for our lab. Thank you, Chas. That's wonderful. And I'm sure some of our viewers would definitely take you up on that. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else to add? I just wanted to thank you again for having me here um, and to start this much needed conversation surrounding eating disorders and kind of debunking the misconceptions behind them that a lot of people may not have known about before. Well, I really appreciate you being here too, Jess. And thank you to all of our viewers for also being here today. And we both hope that you have a great day. Thank you.
If you would like to learn more about this topic, we've attached resources for you in the description of this episode. Thank you again for joining us today. We hope we'll see you next time.